This episode is brought to you by TechSmith. That's right, TechSmith. You know them from Snagit and Camtasia. Snagit lets you create images, GIFs, and videos to show others exactly what you see. And Camtasia is the famous screen recording and video editing software made easy. Yeah, I love it, Adam. You know, I have to say my story here is that Camtasia kind of saved my soul. When I was working, trying to build my first program, I discovered Camtasia and other TechSmith products, and I needed something that was relatively inexpensive, easy to use, and powerful. Overnight, I went from doing tedious editing, recording, and just whatever I had available to me alone with little coaching, being able to make really super high quality videos in a short amount of time. That sounds amazing. And so if you want to create and share images and videos for better training, tutorials, lessons, and everyday communication, you can do that at techsmith.com. That's techsmith.com. Welcome to C-Lab, home of the Seattle C-Labs. I'm Adam Evermescu. And I am Dave Darrington. And we are here on National Pepper Pot Day. Pepper Pot? What's a Pepper Pot? Isn't she a character yeah. in uh, Iron Man? <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Haven't seen it, but it also uh, yeah, I don't know. I think a Pepper Pot is also some sort of dish. No, looks tasty. It's a, it's a weapon, right? It's a weapon. It's a it's a highly seasoned soup prepared with peppercorns, oh. small bits of meat, tripe, vegetables, and broth. Uh, the name may be more familiar as Philadelphia Pepper Pot because it was brought to the area by people from Africa, the West Indies, and the Caribbean. Okay, so it's it's like a it's a colonial thing. Okay, I thought it was well, a term used new. for like a World War One type of I don't know. <laughs> it could be anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, at least according to our day of site, that's Pepper that's pot. the uh, the origin. Okay. Yeah. So not only is it <sighs> National Pepper Pot Day, but it is also the end of the year 2022. Hallelujah! <laughs> we survived another COVID year. How many of them have there been? <laughs> uh, it's all been it's all been 2020. It's been 2020 for three years. It's not funny. It's, it's yeah. So it's been another COVID year. It's been a year with uh, big changes in the economy, putting it lightly. But we want to wrap up 2022 by sharing what we and other customer education professionals have learned and reflect a little bit on the show and finally make some predictions about where customer education is headed in the year 2023. I always like what do you think, I always like doing this. I always like doing this. This is where we'll take a little moment to segue out. Again, audience, thank you for listening. Um, you know, one of the things that I could lead in with this just kind of casually, Adam, is went to some conferences this year, actually in person, one in person. And the funniest thing happened it's where endless. Yeah. More than one person came up to me and go, Hey, you're Dave from C-Lab. I'm a big fan. And I don't know how to tell you how both cool and weird that is at the same time. <laughs> Somebody's it, like, it is, no. it is a little weird. Yeah. It's yeah. Because like, we're not, um, this is a small enough industry where I guess like, if you listen to the podcast, you, 
you can form a parasocial relationship. Parasocial. But it's not a big enough, right? Like where, like where, like someone might know us from listening to us for yeah. however many episodes we've done at this point, 90, 91, 92. Um, but like, we, we don't know all of our listeners. We know a lot of our listeners. We don't know all of our listeners. Um, and so, yeah, when you meet someone new and they say, Hey, I've been listening to the show. Uh, it, it is, it's a weird feeling because like, I kind of expect in my head for some reason that like, we should know everyone who listens to the show. I kind of do too, but I don't. And that's a call to action. So if you're out there listening and you're on chat with us or anything, let's talk. Get, get in the comments. Get in the comments. Okay. Well, let's, let's, let's kick this year's wrap up off. Um, I know I have some things I like to talk about. We think we're going to talk about observations and, but we asked on LinkedIn, thanks to some more recent posts, what our peers have been learning in 2022. And we got some really wicked cool responses. Yeah. So we want to start off in the comments. Like this is actually one great way that uh, we, we talk to people who, who listen to the show and other, other peers in the field. Um, Yeah. We got a, we got a lot of really cool responses. So the, the question was what, what was the, the biggest thing you learned in 2022 uh, in customer education? And so, yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's read, read some of these responses. Uh, The first one, a uh, friend of the show appeared on an episode uh, this year, actually, Phil Byrne from Intercom. He says uh, two big things. And I, I really want to start with this because it's cool. He says one internal, we're potentially even more valuable than we know. And one external, we can learn much more from our customers than we could ever teach them. Ooh, I like that. I like that in particular. It's hmm. pithy. Yeah, but, but it's, it's also like it's a good reminder as well that like we we are still fundamentally in a service role. We might know more about our product than like a, a, a beginner customer might, but they know what value they want to get by using our product. So it's incumbent on us to continue to listen to them. I think that's a really great way to center ourselves because and again, I, I like to say this periodically, I think that we have a sense of arrogance that that we, we get naturally as a subject matter expert and that that's bred from hard knocks and experience, you know, that you're, you're, maybe you're this person internally that has been designated the customer education expert because you know, the platform, you've been the trainer, you've, you've done all kinds of, you know, they send, send Adam out, whatever, (laughs) but that also makes it imperative that you actually listen to the customers you're working with. Because if you think you yeah. know everything internally and then you meet that one customer that's doing something fantastic and you don't slow down to take notice of that and realize our customers, like we get this from certification, thinking about developing a certification, bringing the experts who aren't us in to expand our platform and our understanding of it. Yeah, it also points to the value. And, and we'll talk about this a little bit later in the episode as well about uh, customer education and community coming closer together. One thing that I, I feel really fortunate this year is uh, having having now lead having now led a team. It was weird phrasing. I now lead a team that in, that includes community as one of the pillars of it, and uh, you can do these things through training programs and help center programs as well, right? There are great ways to get qualitative feedback, and, and we've worked on a lot of those as well. But it's also one of the reasons why I really appreciate now being so much closer to uh, customer communities and events because you're hearing yeah. directly from your customers. Yeah, it's, inc- it's incredible. 
So okay. Phil, that was you want great. to read the next one? Yeah, let's let's just go back and forth. All right. So again, dear friend of the community, Sharon Castillo, Octa, um, the focus of the learner around their skills and skill maturity rather than rigid personas. Ooh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Many learners have trouble finding paths that are a good fit for their needs and maturity. So they end up taking duplicative courses or missing skills. This is especially true as roles in technology evolve over time. Yeah. So it's not like, who are you? It's, it's what do you need to be able to do? Yeah. So it's kind of that choose your own adventure. I need to do this. And, Oh, Oh, that's interesting. I want to learn that. And, you know, people kind of self-select their journey. But they also need yeah. to about the critical path, the critical journey. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, yeah, I think it's two things. One, it's, it's that idea. Yeah, exactly. Of like giving learners more flexibility and choice over, <laughs> uh, yeah, what, what they select. And part of that is more effectively chunking up our, our learning experiences. But yeah, the other part of it as well is making, uh, recommendations based on this is sort of related to the last comment, right? Like what we yeah. know based on what people tell us is relevant or not relevant as they're, as they're learning the platform. Okay. We'll do another one. This is from Roberta Scrofani from Criteo. Is that how you pronounce Criteo? 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 Feel free to correct us. Okay. Uh, And she says, hashtag customer centricity. Uh, Applied to customer education means focusing on customers' needs. Your educational content and strategy must be a benefit, enabling them to achieve their goals and set up for success. If you're not able to provide that added value, then you'd better redefine your strategy before providing only extra info to customers. Thank you. Kind yes. of kind of related to the last one, right? Well, they're all interrelated, right? Because I think what you see, what we all see, as, as our peers, as we go through this journey and learning about what customer education is, we realize the same critical things, you know, focus on the learner, making sure we keep that customer in mind all the time. And don't like, like I kind of said before, it's easy from the inside perspective when you become indoctrinated into the culture and the knowledge and you work with people every day, what to do and how to do it. But that's not clear to an external person or a resource. So yeah, understanding and what, those people are having problems understanding is where we fill the gaps. We also talk about intrinsic motivation a lot in our field, right? And, and intrinsic motivation here is the goal that the customer needs to achieve by using your product and learning is in the service. Again, we're a service field. Uh, Learning is in the service of helping them be able to use the product to achieve their goals. Uh, So it, yeah, (laughs) these comments are all, these comments are all related. Um, but that's how we add value. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Let's go on. I get I get to read Debbie's. Debbie's who who is at Vizier now. Not learned this year, but one of my biggest refrains is the goal of customer education is not learning. Okay. It, it is Oof. to spicy. In. Yes. Oh, great. Yeah. Where, okay. where are chicken wings? I'm maybe, I'm going to go buy chicken wings. Bring my hot sauce. Um, <laughs> It is to move the needle on our business metrics. I'll say that again. It is to move the needle on our business metrics. Many newcomers to the field do not understand this and get way too concerned with including too many learning theories into their work because they focus on learning theories instead of customers. Okay. Mm -hmm. Tear that up or not. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, well, we've talked about this on the show before. Like when, 
when you're this is like when when you only have a hammer every problem looks like a nail and when your your hammer is instructional design then all problems start to look like instructional design theory that's no that doesn't work but i i see what she's saying like basically like if you are if you're if you're thinking about optimizing in our field if you're thinking about optimizing for um let's say making the learning the most evidence-based uh like like as far as what's going to lead to retention because that's where the most uh like research has been done then you might be doing so at the expense of uh actually changing uh the business metric that you you want to change moving the moving the needle where you want to move it yeah uh, so it's sort of like you you might be if you want to like kirkpatrick this it's like you're optimizing level two at the expense of level four i think it's a good way to put it and if i if i could riff on this a little bit actually i think what debbie says here is one of the most important things for us to remember as working professionals in the field is that if you're not mapping and you're not thinking about business and being able to discuss what's important and to be able to have conversations about, okay, we could do this or that, but this is the return on investment from a business perspective for those plays. This is the, this is what we're really starting to talk about. Not really starting to talk about. This is what we should be talking about. We're here to do a business function at a strategic level. And if you are not thinking about, everything you do from that lens first, I would argue not deprecating any of the other stuff that you do as a, a, an education professional, you've got to think from the business first, because like, think about where we're at in our economy right now. Again, you're seeing teams kind of wholesale getting cut individuals who are leaders being cut because of the economic downturn, because partially that value that, you should be delivering isn't seen or observed and that might not be your fault. Yeah. I think like business acumen is among the top five probably skills that someone who is a customer education leader or is looking to be a customer education needs to develop. Because if you can't speak the language of the business, if you don't know what all the other teams are doing and what goals they want to achieve, then you're going to have a really hard time figuring out how to, uh, uh, to to optimize your your own program and what tactics to actually focus on to to execute your own strategy. Uh, I want to make a quick plug. Actually, there's another podcast out there. It's a community podcast called In Before the Lock, and it's oh, hosted yeah. by Brian Oblinger from uh, Altrix and Erica Kuehl, formerly from Salesforce. And uh, they, uh, I think they they both consult now, actually. Uh, but two experts in the space, right? Like they've they've done the thing, and they did a, a year end episode recently on the uh, top ten, I believe, skills that um, make you a ten x community Ooh. professional, right? Like what makes you like ten times effective as the average community professional, sort of like the ten x developer thing. But uh, really good episode, and and that's actually their number one. Their number one skill is business acumen. Uh, the more you know the business as a community professional, the better you're going to be able to operate. And I think customer education is the exact same. We're, we're kindred spirits. I agree. I agree. Uh, go listen to that podcast. It's really it's really good. And a lot in of what they say about community can also apply to in before the lock. IB, IB4TL.com? I don't know. Look it up. Find, find it where podcasts are found. Okay. Next okay. one. Uh, <clears throat> Tyler Foster. 
from Thought Industries, as well as Learning Outcomes, uh, says packaging strategies different organizations are using to distribute and sell training. Oh, packaging strategies that different organizations are using to distribute and sell training. And that more companies are already using VR than I previously thought. I like to quantify that, but I could, like VR is hard, but my, um, in, and I probably talk about this later on in, in the episode, we talk about our trends, but packaging is such a difficult and yet important function for education because what it does and unlocks for you is the ability to communicate to a one to many in, in you know, like a mass market. These are the things that we can offer you from an education perspective to help. And that those set value on the work that you've done and set value to the customers on how to consume that and help mm-hmm. help in a lot of different ways. But that packaging to make a lot. Oh, it's so, and it's it's so hard, right? And like making making decisions about whether to package it with your product, uh, whether it's an additional service, uh, understanding RevRec implications uh, for the way you package, understanding how customers are going to pay for it, are they going to be issued credits? Like all that stuff is it's one of the hardest, if not the hardest thing. It might even be harder than localization, which is the other yeah. hardest thing. I would say that, yeah, because that's formulaic. Mostly it's a project. This is more strategic thinking and even tactical because you're you're going to have to iterate. You might have to try a few times. People might get confused until you have it. But when you have it and you've got like a one pager that's listing all of your stuff, it's liberating. Yeah. And I think like both of these also probably reflect, you know, Tyler moved to, to Thought Industries and has been working with a lot of their customers. Uh, Thought Industries, in addition to supporting customer education, uh, also does a lot of learning businesses. So I think it's probably like he's getting a lot of exposure to how learning businesses yeah. are are packaging their own offerings, which is uh, actually quite different in some cases than how even like education services does it. So that's interesting. And probably also why he's seeing more VR. Um, I think Christine Kukic also made this the comment recently that she's seeing like AR and VR technologies being used more uh, at their customers. So yeah, interesting. All right, let's continue here. Um, I'm going to struggle with pronunciation. I can, I can, I can pronounce her name. She's Dutch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, pronounce it for us. Uh, her name. I've met her. We we got coffee together because she lives in Amsterdam or near Amsterdam. Uh, her so. name is Lobka Byman Ramesh. I wouldn't have been that and far I hope, off. I hope that that's, well, yeah, I hope that that's good enough Dutch pronunciation. Well, Lopka, thank you for your, and, and she's a fully on, biggest learning, plan content around programs or campaigns for the biggest impact where you align with other departments. So this wraps into things that we're talking about packaging too. Mm-hmm. From awareness and demand marketing into platform, e.g. tooltips, help center article, like in product education, lessons, courses, webinars, that's customer education, and even plan around how to loop in the CSM and the sales team for follow-ups with customers and leads. Oh, that's yeah. wonderful. This is it's it's orchestrating the way that you bring customer education to your market. Orchestration. I I, and it's even more than uh, orchestrated onboarding, which Donna would Weber would talk about. It's orchestration of your program, all of the the, the pieces. Really. Yeah, it's it's not just designing content in a vacuum. It's really being very, uh, I don't like this word, but being planful about the way that you, uh, I don't think it's actually a word, 
but it's being planful about the way that you um, you launch and deliver your content to customers. So you're not just like creating content and it, like if you build it, they will come. Because if you build it, they will not come. They will not come. Yep. Okay. Uh, love this next one. Uh, this is this is I think like the most forward looking in terms of uh, predictions, but it's kind of framed as, as oh. this is this is. <laughs> This is community and education expert Joe Miller, now at Incorta, uh, also used to work with uh, Brian at Altrix. So, uh, you know, small world. Yeah. Uh, Number one, ChatGPT and other AI platforms are revolutionizing business. Customer education will be no exception. Big year for ChatGPT. We'll talk about it later. So let's not talk about it now. Uh, Two, activating a community of experts will continue to take your learners to heights unknown. So... Love that. Love the community yeah, tie. Yeah. Um, again, community and customer education are kindred spirits and moving closer together. Uh, and three, the education-led growth movement has begun. This episode is brought to you by WorkRamp. WorkRamp turns customer education into a growth engine for your business by delivering delightful learning experiences that increase product adoption and customer retention. Those are crucial, crucial metrics. WorkRamp's all-in-one learning platform is trusted by top education teams at Outreach, Reddit, Workiva, and more. So get your demo today at WorkRamp.com. Joe, I want to learn more about education-led growth. I, I think it's like the analogy here is like product-led growth, sales-led growth. In community now, uh, we talk about community-led growth. So, I, like, Wait, wait. Though, so I've heard something this year again said, this is not necessarily new. But the concept of the education qualified lead, the education qualified lead is yeah. So the I think the idea behind the education qualified lead is to try to have one top level metric that shows education's influence on the business, similar to how when marketing could actually describe the work that they did as a funnel, it became way easier to report and tell their story to the business because you had metrics mm-hmm. associated with it. So I think the EQL education qualified lead is an attempt to do that. And I think it's a good idea. It just needs to be formalized a little bit more. Um, but that's describing like, basically like what, what did education do? Like how many people did education touch such that they would do something that the business wants them to do right, uh, right. downstream? Right. Uh, I think education led growth is describing something different. And uh, Joe, I'd love to know more about like how, how you interpret education-led growth, but I do see a, a similar, at least the way I interpret it to the idea of community-led growth, where it's that by educating your customers, by bringing them together in communities, uh, by not like coming out as the business and just like waving, waving your hands and, and trying to position yourself as the expert and selling to them, what you're actually doing is you're, you're, oh, I'm, I'm going to quote, I'm going to quote Bill Cashard and Service Rocket here. It's like, it's like a helping sales uh, type of, of activity, right? Yeah, it um, is. By educating your customer, you are putting them in a position to grow, which helps your business grow. Like that's how I interpret education led growth, but would love to learn more. You know, like it, we, we definitely need to keep moving on, but just to reflect on this, we've been doing a lot of reading lately. And if you check into listeners, our other podcasts, where we'll be talking about a couple books that, that were, trying to ingest and process by the end of the year, they talk about some of this, um, how education has always been a funnel for marketing and growth. Yeah. Well, this which, will, this episode will air between our 1984 episode and our 1997 episode, right? 
actually, yeah. Um, before part two of the that 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 first episode too. So we have we have two two parts I think coming out of this. So just listen to them all. Yeah, they're they're great. We've learned a lot. Yeah, just like like your New Year's resolution should be to listen to every episode of our show three times. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, Dave. I'm all gonna right. I'm gonna close I'm gonna close this out because um, this last one uh, I I put her last because I just think this is a lovely note to end on. This is from our friend Tiffany Taylor at Handshake. What did she have to say, Dave? Maybe not so much learn as, as much as reminded. Customer education is growing and evolving every day, much like our learners. And willingness to adapt is critical. Well, Truer put. words have never been said. And I really appreciate that, Tiffany, because I think those are... It's, it's a perfect transition into, into thinking about next year. Life's going to throw a lot of things at us. The field's hmm. going to change. <laughs> And We've got a triple demic now, right? Um, <laughs> what's a? I don't want to know. Uh, okay, <laughs> let's reflect, right? When we, we do reflections, yeah. So let's. So that was so okay. So that was what everyone told us uh, they learned this year. I thought it might be nice if we could also share a little bit of what we learned this year because you know we've been on our own personal journeys, and I think it was about this time last year that you and I took that walk around the Seattle Locks. No, it would have been a little bit later. No, that would have we been we March, were, April ish. Yeah. That was March or April. Yeah. Like, so okay, oh my god, we were wow. Feels like <laughs> that was earlier in 2020 uh, that we we did that episode called "Starting Over All Over Again," and we were walking around the Seattle Locks, and we were talking about kind of the the next steps in in our own lives. Um, I moved to Amsterdam this year. You had already started at Service Rocket, and we're getting more into uh, the consulting world, but. Yeah, Dave, like let's let's reflect a little bit. What what were what were your key learnings this year? All right, I'm going to leave this in with talking a little bit about the intention behind my journey in my career. So, one of the things that you and I talk about I think a lot is we're on a we're I'm not going to speak for you, but I know that I'm on a mission to learn. I I am really, well, duh, I'm passionate enough about customer education that we've done four plus years of a podcast, right? And that learning has never stopped. It continues to go and it actually gets more every day. I think one of the things that I had in my intention here and in moving to Service Rocket is, let's, let's think about this way. At first we met when uh, you were at Optimizely and I was at Gainsight, mm -hmm. right? Is that mm -hmm. Yeah, And that was kind of like our first step. Not, not really because we've done education before. And then we continued to move on where we're at now. So I went through three of those opportunities as the customer ed leader. Now I'm not that exactly. It's kind of a step up into the side where I'm talking and working with those people every day. Now this is the, the biggest transition is imagine listener, if you're in the role of, okay, I'm doing the job for a company, then your focus is that company and all the things and building the program for that company. Now, when you get outside of that and now you're looking in and you're looking at multiple companies from the outside and coordinating with those people to do the things that we do, it gives you a really different perspective on the market. So that, and, and those of you that I've worked with, and if you're listening, 
I won't say anything about who you are or what you're doing, but I really appreciate the time that I've spent with you and I've learned a lot more than I could have imagined. Mostly that, oh gosh, I think what the one thing is people are struggling with the same kinds of problems and often those they aren't in, in, in they aren't easy problems they're more i'm going to lead in with this because i think this is important to say they're they're often more political and business problems challenges about strategy mm -hmm. and how and what to do and when to do it and what's the importance of that and who are the people that need to influence on that decision and who do i need to get buy in on that decision that is remarkably pronounced through every engagement I ever do. That's yeah. huge because that's telling me, okay, you're all struggling. We're all struggling with the same kinds of challenges. And again, going back to what we talked about earlier about business focus, I think that's, that's the catch here. We're doing education within the context of business and we need to deliver an ROI. So yeah. it's not about, is that, and is that where you see kind of those, the, the biggest, like you call it like political roadblocks? I think that's one of the big things is that, okay, it's, there's still this gap in understanding from a leadership perspective of, about what we do, because we don't often can like, we don't all have that same. We can just repeat the six manifesto items and we can compare it off what customer education means and we can communicate all that to everybody. That's still not quite there. We're getting closer, but that, but my impression of it is that where I encounter individuals that are having problems, it's most of the time a business issue and then secondarily resources because mm -hmm. we don't have all the resources we need to build a program like we think we should. So we're doing what we can do. Yeah, it's like we we still need more good case studies, ROI stories, benchmarks, all all that kind of stuff to really help um, make this investment and the ROI from it more obvious. Exactly. Because I think like we've done a good job of now articulating the value of customer education and defining it and making it more of an established practice where it looks at least more similar across the companies who are doing it, if not completely similar. Uh, obviously, there's still a ton of, of different flavors of it, but um, the, the the next step is companies growing their customer education practices, maturing their customer education practices. And from that will also come, I think, more success stories that make investing in customer education more of a no-brainer. You're not going to have to be a forward-thinking company to make an investment in, in customer education. I really look forward to the point where we'll be able to say that. Hmm. Uh, I don't think it's going to be 2023. But uh, I think 2023 will be a big step towards that. And I, I really hope that part of that is uh, more, more, yeah, more of those benchmarks, case studies, et cetera, coming out to send us down the, that path. Yeah. You, you know, the other thing that I will say, I think people are, are still continuing to struggle with in parallel to the business part is the, the actual getting the time and 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 making and putting your foot in the sand or on the ground and saying we will think strategically about the work we do and not be in this reactive mindset because mm -hmm. i still see when i enter in and i and i talk to no in this case it's not talking with people i work with directly it's the broader field it's that oh you know i you know i could do that or my leader's telling me to do this or in and my leader's telling me something absurd because they don't quite understand what we do 
And that, that thing, that really bothers me. And then it comes back to secondarily, not the business, but the, the how to achieve the outcomes that we're looking to do. Like what, how do we really go about doing them from a strategic point of view? And that involves slowing down and actually thinking about things more scientifically, more, more logically, and not being so reactive and say, no, I just got to get something out. Oh, I've got to get this content out. No, we've got to slow down and think about what we're accomplishing. How, what the modality should be, how do we achieve it? What tools do we need? The, the, like the bubbling up and getting outside that I'm just going to make a webinar and throw it out in the, the world. Yeah. Makes sense? Yeah. Totally makes sense. Anything else, Dave? From, from oh, there's here? a lot of things, but why don't, why don't you talk about some of the things you're seeing? Because you've, th this is what I've really been interested in hearing from you as let's, uh, and I'll bridge it by talking about titles and bridge it by talking about how now you're at a VP level. And that's, that's an important thing. We've talked about title elevation stuff, and this is not one of those cases. There, you're in a position of, you've got a domain, right? You've got focuses, you've got a team. I'm really curious to learn, uh, like, what does customer education look like from your new perspective? Yeah. I, I yeah, I guess like those are those are the two big changes, right? And we talked about this a little bit in the start starting over all over again episode. One is is moving to Europe and that's been a huge adjustment in and of itself. And I can come back to that and talk about that a little bit. But um yeah, the other one is entering a VP role, which was uh, you know, one of the reasons why I was really excited about coming into Personio, not just not just because it was a VP title. Because to your point, titles can be inflated. Uh, I've worked with uh, you know people who are like VP of something or other, and they have like one direct report and the same scope as like a I don't know like a senior manager, a senior manager somewhere else, right? So right, it's so like it like the title itself doesn't necessarily signify anything, but like I think thinking about the scope that makes it really interesting because here's here's what you have at this point: you have a set of interlocking programs mm -hmm. that are all producing results at higher levels, but the kind of the mandate for you in your position is to be able to tie those all together, get them pointed in the same direction because you have like, I don't know I'm saying this in second person. Like I have incredibly talented people on my team. They're experts at what they do, right? Like people who, are wonderful at technical writing or channel right. management or community management or event management or internal uh, enablement or I, I don't want to I don't want to leave anything out. I'm trying. I'm, I'm like going through my my uh, my org, thing, org chart, different specializations. <laughs> yeah, but like, but that's the thing, right? It's like it's not just um, like it, it's not just you know, like, like some teams, like you have a small team and you've had like one person who does writing and like one person who does ops and one person who does community. Like at this point, we are running these things like programs. We are developing them. We're maturing them. And so we have to have them pointed in a strategic direction. Yeah. So you've got this bigger scope, but the, the challenge is really trying to unite all of these functions around a common vision and making sure that that vision as well as the day-to-day -day operations are moving the needle on the company strategy. 
And so as a VP, I spend my time in, in, in kind of two places. One is really working with my teams and trying to help where I can to support them and being able to do their best work that will move the needle. Uh, so sometimes that might be like unblocking things, or sometimes that might be uh, trying to ask good questions or coaching or weighing in. Like I've, I've tried to get better at um, before I just like jump in and, and offer advice. I've, I've tried to get better at just saying like, okay, how can I be helpful here? So I, I try to do that a lot more, but the other, the other place. And sometimes you I'm just saying, don't know <laughs> to be fair. Uh, no, yeah, like, no, well, and that's, you know, how can I actually be helpful? Like, and then, then you have to listen. Yeah. Well, it's, it's always an invitation after that to, to listen. And usually, usually like it, it doesn't take uh, that much back and forth to actually figure out like, okay, do you just like, do you already know exactly what you're going to do? And, and you want me to, sanity check it or mm-hmm. like are you looking for multiple options like usually like you know what you're what you what you want like uh, out of a conversation um especially like yeah anyway yeah so <laughs> I, was, I, was about, I was about to go down the path again about like like you know my team like they know what they're doing right like in a lot of cases they're 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 not coming because they they don't know um like they don't know their field or something like that it's because like there is a decision to be made anyway. So what's the point here? The point is that that's, that's part of where I'm spending my time. The other part of where I'm spending my time is in conversations that have uh, nothing to do with customer education. They have to do with the business and it might be our business as a whole, like our company. It might be at the department level, like our customer experience business. Mm Mm-hmm. And there, you always have to be wearing two hats. One is your customer education hat, where you're thinking about, okay, what does this mean for my team? Uh, How can I contribute to this? Uh, What uh, resources or skills do we have that can, uh, you know, move the needle? If if that's the type of conversation we're having, how will this affect my team if there were certain implications uh, being discussed? But then the other hat that you have to have on at all times is the the company hat, right? You're you're looking at things from a company level. You're making decisions that um, ultimately might not necessarily have strong bearings on the customer education team. Specifically, you're thinking about the business and you kind of have to like spend that moment to step out of your your own world and the immediate projects you're working on and the things that you care about day to day to to think about, okay, how can we make productive decisions as a business? Like how do we advance the 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 business strategy? And that might not even have anything to do with uh, what is the customer education team doing in this regard. It, it might be an even more general, uh, discussion than that. So it, it's kind of like tying those two things together that I think is the real challenge and the opportunity to the role. And it's something that I'm, I feel like I learned something about, about that every day. Um, yeah. And then I think the other thing is, is sort of like I mentioned before, having more functions within customer education, it's a huge opportunity, but it's also a challenge because you set a strategy and the company sets a strategy, and then education has a vision within that. We have a you know we have a high level uh, direction that we want to go in. 
Uh, we set OKRs uh, that we can use to move the needle in, in clear areas. But it's not like when you write an OKR or when you write a high-level strategy that it's then going to directly prescribe what every single team is going to do within that, right? Like you're, you're actually working then with your team and you, you have to trust your team in some ways to say, look, like you have, you have a high level strategy or vision for where you think it should go. It probably sounds like a little bit vague because it has to encompass all of these different functions. Like, like, like if we come up with a customer education strategy, it has to fit writing video, uh, our, our channel managers, community managers, event managers, internal learning, customer training. Uh, I'm, this is fascinating. Oh uh, yeah. I, again, going through the org chart in my head, but like no one high level strategy is going to encompass all of that. And furthermore, I don't know the specifics of everyone's day-to-day challenges and operations like well enough to say, yes, here, here is the precise way that you fit into it. Like, I don't know better than my team who is doing the work every day, like what it is that they can be doing like on a, on an operational level or even within like the strategy of their team to move in that direction. I can have perspective and I can have an opinion. And I usually try to clarify if I'm having a strong opinion or a not strong opinion about something. But, um, I look to my team to look at the company strategy, look at the education strategy, look at the CX department strategy and make a determination. What are we going to prioritize to move in that direction? What are we going to prioritize in our day-to-day work? You know, we got to keep the lights on. We got to keep the, the ship afloat. And then what, like, where are we going to put our, our, our strategic bets? And then I, I see my job as being able to work with them to, get to get that to align with what I'm seeing and working yeah. on at the, at the company level as well. So it's, it's super interesting. Uh, it's, uh, a meaningful challenge. I do not always get it right. And you're learning like we all are. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm learning, I'm learning a lot. I'm, I'm working through it. And again, like I just have to shout out my team here because I work with incredibly, talented people that I learn a lot from both about their, their, their disciplines. Cause like, that's another part of it. I'm, I'm managing functions that uh, I don't have as deep expertise in compared to some areas that I've uh, worked in. And uh, yeah, I, I learn I learn a lot from them as well about how do we do this at, at, at the top level? How do we make this support the high level strategy? And I don't know, it's, it's a gift and and I really appreciate it. And I'm uh, not going to get sappy on the podcast right now. Oh, it's okay. uh, and then fine. Yeah, no, but I like, but we, we have to, we, we have to keep moving too, but I guess like final thing you know, is, is Europe, right. Hey Dave, my customer education bookshelf was looking a little lonely. Any recommendations? Hey, here's a thought, Adam. Have you checked out Daniel Quick and Barry Kelly's new customer education playbook? Well, I mean, I'm a bit biased here because I'm actually in it, but uh, I think that's a great addition because it lays out the steps to run a customer education program in a super clear, practical way. And it's full of tips from other great leaders who are doing the job every single day. Hey, that's right, and I'm in it too. But seriously, I'm a SaaS book enthusiast, so I'm gonna go out and have Barry and Daniel sign my copy today. 
<laughs> That's great. And if you want one, head over to thoughtindustries.com slash playbook to get your copy. That link's in the episode description. So get reading today. Can, yeah, I, can I, can I, before you talk Europe? Yeah. One of the things that I didn't really get to, cause I wanted to like kind of mesh together our journeys okay. that what I'm, what I'm really excited about. And I think, you know, others who are doing podcasts and things like that, this pair, this partnership thing where you have two of you doing different stuff and you're talking to different communities and then come back. This is really impactful. And for me, what I've also seen is like, you're going, you're going deep and deep into leadership and I'm kind of going broad and we're seeing like, because now I'm working globally with companies all over the world, kind of like, I mean, you're in Europe now, but I'm also working with APAC regions and Latin America and one of the things that I think is, va- is absolutely fascinating that I've that I've gotten to do is I'm getting in these, you know, like I, I said that we're doing these strategic in- advisory engagements at Service Rocket. And I think this is the thing that is the most exciting to me ever is that where I'm kind of like you're doing this from the inside in a company and you have a leadership position and you're working with other leaders at, you know, your executives, your peer leaders your managers and on down and you're more of like this influence point within your, your organization where I'm coming at is I'm, I'm like kind of at your level, but from the outside and I'm talking to the CEO, the COO, the CCO, Mm -hmm. the VPs of support, success, sales, all chief revenue officers. And we're all getting into these interesting conversations about education from a business perspective and I'm able to talk about that differently because I'm not part of the organization. I can see the landscape. Yeah. Right. And then where I'm going is I'm saying, okay, I have to see this one. And then I go to another company. I see this one. Of course I can't share any of the things that I talk about at a detailed level, but I'm starting to see connections and threads because we're working at, we're trying to, to fill in the glue and say, this is what customer education is about. This is how it substantiates a strategic approach to building your organizational and and uh, and driving return and investment and educational investment, and that's it takes a lot to do that. I mean, that it's taken me from the outside and you from the inside, and all of our teams to build this community within companies to drive success. So that's that's the other angle of what I'm really seeing and exciting about, and I'm. You know, the more companies and the more people that I talk to in any capacity, the more I learn and then the more I can share back the generalities and the things that are working. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. It also kind of makes you uh, more of a truth teller in some ways, right? You're coming in from the outside. You can you can kind of challenge implicit assumptions. Yeah, it's like to some extent, like even within a business in a senior position, uh, you want to be direct. You want to come with as much feedback as you can. You want to influence uh, but there's a certain point where your thinking is going to start to align with the business's way of thinking. So being outside of that, uh, you kind of you're always coming in with fresh eyes, and I think that's valuable. It's something where I, I I try as well sometimes to like shake shake my head off a little bit, talk to people who do what I do at other companies, yeah, uh, get that perspective so that. I can come back in and be like, wait, why are we doing it this way? Well, what we do okay. it differently? To, to that point, okay, I wanted to just pull that thread through that what you said is you're talking to your peers at your level throughout at other companies. And that's why we do this podcast, because you and I are collecting that information and bringing it back. 
That's why we, we want to talk and like put a plug in here. We will have a forum up soon. If you want to get into these deep discussions with us at C-Lab, we want to talk to you, particularly leaders and practitioners that are experiencing things that we might not have talked about before. So, so Europe, though, we know a lot about yeah. the United States. Can you tell us now what you're seeing from you know, cultural and I, 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 I so want to travel and do like you've done. This is such a gift, Adam, that you've gotten to go into a different transplant, have a leadership position and now learn this role. What are you seeing that's different about education? Yeah, I, I it's well, this is one of those things where it's really hard to take a step back from it while it's happening. Uh-huh. And I'm only nine months in. So I still, baby's born. I still consider myself. <laughs> well, no, it's funny you say that because like I call myself a, ba- a baby European still, right? Like I'm still learning European culture, and there's well, and and let's let's be real, like European culture is not a monolith, right? It's it's, it's as kind of silly as saying North American culture. There's there's not one European culture. There's Dutch culture. There's German culture. There's specific regional cultures within. Uh, uh, each of these places and um, a book I'm reading, I'll do a quick book plug is called the culture map. It's by oh. uh, Aaron Meyer, Aaron Meyer. Yeah. It's over there. Uh, definitely recommend it to anyone who's working internationally or has international coworkers because uh, I will say I have been learning a ton about how different cultures interact, different expectations that they have. Um, and this is both like uh, customers and employees, right? So like the way that I might, uh, you know, talk to someone on my team who is from Germany, uh, like cultures aren't a monolith, right? But like I notice certain patterns, for instance, in people on my team from Germany versus people on my team from Spain. There's like different norms, uh, maybe like different expectations of how we interact. And I'm not a master of this. So I'm really, I'm trying to like learn and observe and, and go as quick as I can. The same thing is true for, for customers, right? Like for example, if I'm, if I'm talking to uh, a customer here in the Netherlands, I know that the worst thing that I can do is try to do the like very American beat around the bush before I uh, like, like before I deliver some sort of information or news. You want to be direct. You want to be upfront because that actually helps build trust. And it makes it, it makes it seem like you're not like avoiding something. Whereas in another culture, I think like in American culture, for instance, even we're kind of this way, like sometimes we have to like do a bit of a dance before we get to the topic. Because um, if you're not kind of doing relationship building and if you're not like couching the news that you're going to deliver, uh, then, you know, you're, you're not seen as, as being uh, respectful. Can I, can I ask you a question here? I saw something really fun, actually a little scary. I think it was LinkedIn. It was this di- these diagrams of conversations that you would have with people from different cultures. And mm-hmm. it would say, you know, you have like in the United States, beat around the bush, be loud, talk about some crazy stuff, and then get to business. And mm-hmm. in different different places, then you have like a long, longer period of the dance, or sometimes it's direct and so do you feel that does do you feel that regularly now okay i'm talking with somebody from spain versus um the netherlands versus the uk versus you know eastern europe um does that does that make 
education difficult or even business meetings difficult. Yeah, it does because you're accommodating for so many different styles, preferences, and then frankly, languages, right? So everything has to be localized. There could be communication barriers. Uh, the way that, you know, you even talk in a meeting, I've, I've noticed uh, that I'm really trying to like slow down, simplify my language yeah. uh, because if you're communicating in not your first language, then like it's... <laughs> it's like it's like that Sophia Vergara you're quote from Modern Dutch? Family. Is that right? what you're talking about here? Is like, are you speaking Dutch to your? Team no, not or? no, not me because like I'm 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 the stupid American. I'm I'm monolingual, but um, that bothers and, like, me a Dutch lot. People, honestly, Dutch you know? Dutch people aren't a good example of this because like most Dutch people can speak really good English. But like, for example, like our working language is English, and okay. if you are, uh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick on Spain for a moment because like. In Spain, there's not like super high uh, English overlap. Like a lot of Spanish people also are are like monolingual compared to other cultures. And so if you're if you're Spanish and you are now kind of being forced to speak English as your business language, and you're speaking to someone who doesn't really speak Spanish and can't communicate complex concepts, then like both of you are really needing to like force yourself to get on the same level. Because you might have a million ideas going through your head, but you have to find a way to communicate it that's that's mutually intelligible. So it does. It feels like that. I was I was going to make this like Sofia Vergara quote from from Modern Family. She it's, she says something like, "I promise you, I'm really smart in Spanish." You know what the the funny thing about that, that's what you say. So whereas I don't I didn't move to a different country, I kind of technically did because most of my team and most of the organization I work for doesn't live in the United States. And I'm thankful for this every day because I am meeting with talking with people on my own team, just like you who live elsewhere and they have different cultural, you know, norms and different things that they do and different holidays and different, you know, religious backgrounds. And it's fascinating. I love it. And I learn something new every day, but it's also really hard. And I know one of my team members is from Latin America, speaks wonderful English. And even then sometimes says to me, oh, Dave, I just don't know how to communicate that. I can't English this. And, and I say, mm -hmm. well, just use your word. You know, like just let's go to a mural board and draw it out or, you know, and then we get around that. But yeah, I hit this every day too now in my new role. And I think this is something that this is an opportunity for us on this podcast to actually share that experience and say, those of you who live elsewhere, we know what you're feeling. Those of us who have been kind of in this America's, you know, North American centric. Um, America first. America first. Like I'm, I'm working really in, intentionally to break that because what I see, an, another theme I see throughout my dealings is that customer education is not just a B2B SaaS uh, Silicon Valley startup thing. We're going to talk about that in some of the books that we we've been discussing. It's global. And it's really important that to understand that people throughout the world can do and do do amazing work. And this is a global phenomenon. And we need to to think about that all the time. Yeah. It's really hard. It, it's really, it's it's really been humbling. And I think it makes me realize like what a privilege it is to be able to do your day-to-day -day work in your first language with other people who also speak your 
first language and not everyone is doing that. So it just, it increases my respect for someone who is doing great work in their second or third or fourth language. Um, I think I would have an incredibly difficult time doing that. And, uh, and yeah, it's that, it's like, it's the, the communication and then it's also the, the expectations, right. Or like the cultural norms. Um, you can, you can kind of like, everyone's an individual again. So it's like, not like, everyone from a certain country operates a certain way. We know that, right? Like in the U S there's very different personalities. Like we're not all American, uh, like stereotypes, but you can, you can see that influence as well. The way you think, the way you communicate, the way that you, you kind of have like baseline expectations and the culture map book does a really good job, uh, laying that out. So I know that that's one I will, I will. We should do a bit. Let's put a pin on it because I bought it and I have it here on my shelf for the next book to read. Um, we should process that with regards to our, our field of, and how that maps. Uh, it's, it's increasingly important to me because I think it's important from a different perspective. Like if you are trying to build a program to think about localization, culture and stuff early on so that maybe you don't have the time to do it right away as you're starting your business, but you are thinking ahead to the hooks and the kind of resources you would need to do so. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah, and and baking those assumptions into the way that you structure your program for the audiences that you're trying to deliver for. I mean, Courtney talked about this in the the localization episode as well from yeah. earlier this year, but it's a a topic worthy of coming back to. So yeah, Dave, like we've learned a lot. We've learned a lot from our other customer education leaders. We've we've gotten pretty much a, a full hour here of learnings. So what do you say that we we close out 2022 here? And then we pick up in the next episode with a look forward to 2023, as well as a countdown of the top episodes from this year. Let's do it. All right. Okay. So let's do a quick wrap up and then we'll, we'll see you on the other side of the year. Uh, If you want to learn more, we have a podcast website at customer.education. You can find show notes and other material Please share, please uh, rate and review if you find this helpful because it helps us find the others. We want to help you find the others. Uh, Thanks, Alan Coda, for the theme music. We're on LinkedIn. What else, Dave? Yeah, we're on LinkedIn. You know, I think the last thing is click in the comments and pay attention to our website. You will see changes and improvements over time. We're putting a lot more investment in C-Lab going into the next year, which we're going to talk about soon. Um, You'll see forms. If you want to talk to us and be on episodes, we have contact us form, use those tools. And I think even more sign our manifesto. That is the way that we know you are committed to customer education like we are. And together we will raise all the ships as a team. So once again, thank you for joining us. Get out there, educate, experiment, and find your people. Thanks, everybody. Get in the comments.